Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you here today. If you haven't already, in our show description, we have a link to our Facebook page available. So if you would like to join and ask questions or just be a participant in the community that we're trying to build there, we'd love to have you. Now, today, what we're going to be talking about is scripts. A script is basically this idea that there are certain dynamics or ways that we play in our relationship, either through words or actions, that it's almost like we're just repeating this certain pattern of behavior. Now, there are scripts that can be helpful and there are scripts that can be unhelpful. And today, what we're going to be discussing and kind of going over are unhelpful scripts in relationships, whether it's in relationships with your spouse, relationships with your parents, relationships with your kids. And then we're also going to be discussing how to rewrite unhelpful scripts so that we can have better or more healthy outcomes on the other side. When most people think of scripts, they think of movie scripts or scripts for plays. And when you think about that, you're really just playing out what's already written for you, right? So you're not really a free agent, but instead you're just playing a role. And so how does that relate to relationships or just your life in general? When you think about your life and the things that you've experienced, a lot of times those cause you to respond in certain ways or just see life in a certain way or in a certain perspective. So a lot of times we get kind of locked into these roles or these scripts and we play them out. And a lot of times it's not even your original ideas, right? Just like these actors are playing out what isn't necessarily their original idea. But if you're raised in a certain home where nothing was ever good enough, where they would applaud you and then say, but, right? Oh, you did a great job, but maybe next time work on this. And so when you're going through life and you do accomplish something great, in the back of your mind, you're still playing out that script and you're living by that past script of nothing's ever good enough or I'm not good enough. And so maybe you've had a major accomplishment and the people around you are applauding you and can see it and they're telling you and affirming you. But in your own mind, you think, yeah, but that's not good enough. And you continue to strive for something else. It was very funny. I actually had this interaction with my dentist a couple of weeks ago. I went in, I had a cavity, and I had to get it filled. So we're going through this process, and I've had cavities before, and I've had fillings before, and I actually had booked out about two hours in my schedule where uh, I blocked it out so that this procedure could be done. And when I walked in, I hardly sat in the waiting room at all. They whisked me back, and then the dentist came in. He gave me the Novocaine injection, and then they started working on me basically right away. And I was in and out of that office within 30 minutes. I was super surprised, and it was a very pleasant procedure where it didn't hurt a lot. And so at the end, when he was saying, all right, we're just about done here, I paused and I said, wow, that was one of the most pleasant dental experiences I think I've been through. And the dentist actually asked me, he said, are you being facetious? So he's probably had many experiences where people were upset or uncomfortable in the dental office or having an unpleasant dental procedure done. And so he, even though I said it very genuinely and very nicely, he had this automatic thought or this script. And then when I was saying something that was out of character for it, he assumed I was coming from a negative spot. He assumed that I was being facetious with him when actually I was trying to give him a compliment. When you go through life, these scripts can be very dangerous. And when somebody steps outside of what you're expecting, 
you can then still want to play that script out the exact same way and then get a negative result, right? Now, if I were in a bad mood, I could have taken his question, are you being facetious? I could have taken it in a negative way and been like, well, what do you mean? Why are you asking me that? I gave you a compliment and I could have been more aggressive or upset by that. But instead, I understood where he was coming from. Immediately, I saw, okay, he's following a script and I didn't say the lines I was supposed to. And so he doesn't really know exactly how to react to that. Yeah, that's a really good example. And I think that happens a lot in our relationship. That idea where you say the right lines, I know what's coming. So I say the next lines and I know how to respond to that. And then, you know, there's this back and forth that's happening. But when there's a shift in the script or someone breaks character, that's really where you can begin to re-script conversations and re-script your relationship. Maybe it wasn't something that was very healthy before, but when you begin to break that role, you can start to grow your character and change your relationship. And we'll get into that a little later, but in this example, his response really is based on the script that he's been following, you know, his whole life and his past experiences. And so in relationships, we have to think about what are we bringing into this relationship that is causing us to have a certain script. And so when we do premarital counseling or pre-engagement counseling, we look at how different families were growing up because that is important. A lot of the scripts you get are from growing up and from your family and what you experienced or didn't experience. And so this leads into kind of just this topic of trauma, right, that a lot of our scripts can come from the beliefs that happen when we experience trauma. And if you've been around long enough listening, you have heard us talk many times about how our negative beliefs and the things that we get kind of instilled in us when we experience a trauma get replayed and reconfirmed in different situations, even though they may no longer be true. We play out those scripts as if they are. And I think that's an interesting point to bring up too, is that When we start reading from this script, we are encouraging or maybe even pressing other people into playing this expected role. And we may not even be aware of how we're influencing other people to respond to us in the way that we're expecting. There's another story. This happened, maybe this was a month or two ago. You had done something that upset me and made me irritated. And I brought it to you and I said, hey, Ruth, this happened. I didn't really like this. And then to your credit, you responded extremely well where you're just like, hey, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry for that. Now, for me, that didn't follow my script. I was expecting to get a little bit of blowback. And so I found myself feeling dissatisfied that she did the right psychological thing because I wanted to read my next line in my script. I wanted to try to explain or plead my case why it was fair that I was upset, but I didn't have to. And so the other thing with these scripting things is you have to be aware is that moving in a healthy direction isn't always going to feel satisfying because that didn't feel satisfying to me because I knew the next line, I had it, it was ready to read. But then when she didn't respond that way, I didn't continue reading the script. I, I laid the script down and I was like, okay, I don't need to take another step in this direction. And so for you, when you're trying to work at moving and changing these scripts, again, they can feel satisfying because there's a certain level of predictability to it, but it's a predictably bad outcome. And you don't want to continue down because I know for me that second line of the script might have been satisfying, but then the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh line down that script, it's not so satisfying anymore. It's unpleasant. And so I decided, okay, you know what? She responded well. I don't want to read that second line of my script. I want to stop right here. 
which doesn't always happen. I think a lot of times, even though there was a change in script and one person says something different that can lead down a really healthy path, people jump right back to their script and they just assume the other person read their lines wrong, even though that's healthier to go down that path. They will go right back into their own response. And that's where you see these patterns where people just feel like they just want to argue all the time, no matter what. Even when someone does something good, there's just an argument. And so it really is easy to fall into these patterns because like you said, it is predictable and it's comfortable. And change sometimes can be very uncomfortable, especially for certain people. Some people like change. And so even though it does feel different, a little weird to figure out what's happening in this conversation that hasn't happened before, for some other people, it's not just weird, it's uncomfortable and it's sometimes painful. Actually, it's really interesting that you say it's painful because when we're trying to do a new pattern of behavior or when we're trying to change our mindset or beliefs about something, research kind of shows that it actually triggers off the area in our brain that receives pain. And so even though we're not feeling any physical sensation, your brain is really distrustful and uncomfortable and wants to move away from anything that's unknown or any level of change. It doesn't know how to accurately navigate that. And so whenever you're working at the shift or change, you have to understand there is a certain biological thing that you're having to fight against, the certain mechanism in your brain. And again, it's trying to protect you. It's trying to keep you from getting into a situation that you can't work your way out of. But also sometimes it can put you in a place where it's preventing you from doing this good and healthy new behavior because it's fearful of this unknown aspect of it. And so when we take a step back and we look a little more into what in our past has really caused us to follow the certain script, that's really important to do. Because a lot of times what relationships do is they just bring to light the scripts that you've already been following and the roles you've already been playing. An example that I like from Emerson Egerich, who wrote Love and Respect, is that relationships will bring out what's already there. So the example he uses if you have a skunk and a rose, there are very different smells that come out of them if they get crushed or stepped on. And so if you step on a skunk, you're going to get that stinky skunk smell. But if you step on a rose, you're going to have that beautiful aromatic rose smell. And so what's happening is a lot of times people will say, well, I'm only doing that because they did this, or I only said that because of them. And they're blaming their spouse for their responses and their reactions. But that pressure and that aggravation really brought out what was already in them. And so relationships really do bring to surface what's already happening and the scripts and the roles that you've already been playing. But they just bring it to light. And it's easier to see because now you're being matched up with a script that may be very different from your own. And you can see the differences. Yeah, I think a good way to think about trauma responses is that they're very reactionary and you just have them and then they happen and you don't think about the consequences and you just barrel down this neural pathway that has been created in your mind with these set patterns of behavior. And they're not very adaptive to the situation. They are very much a blunt object. They're not surgical or precise by any measure. And so the danger is when you are a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so when you run into these situations, you don't want to be hitting everything with a hammer. That ends up being problematic. Sometimes a hammer is required, but then most of the time, a lot more finesse and gentleness and careful responses is very important. And so you had started talking a little bit ago about how we almost set up how people respond to us and the scripts that other people kind of play for us. And I think that's very true because that's very much like that self-fulfilling prophecy. 
where if you go into a room and you have a certain script that no one's going to talk to me, nobody likes me, I'm not friendly, it's hard for me to make friends, then when you go into that room, you're following a certain script. You're not going out and talking to people. You're sitting in the corner. You're quiet. Maybe you have a scowl on your face, or maybe you're not easily approachable. Because in your mind, you're already saying that other people don't want to talk to you. And so you're playing this role and you're setting yourself up for failure because at that point, you're right. No one is going to approach you. No one is going to talk to you. And that self-fulfilling prophecy comes true. And then in your mind, whatever that negative belief was, nobody likes me. No one wants to be my friend. That is now confirmed in your mind. And then every time you're in the same situation, it gets stronger and stronger, and it's confirmed more and more. And the odd thing is, I think it's much easier for us to confirm our negative beliefs than it is for us to try to craft new positive beliefs. And I think a part of the reason why is if you really work at trying to confirm a positive belief, the fear is that maybe I'll fail. And then if you fail, then, oh my gosh, then that really does mean that I am this bad thing that I'm fearful of. Versus just like what you were saying, if you want to make friends and you're struggling to make friends, you need to show yourself to be friendly. You need to smile. You need to go up and talk to people. You need to become more chatty, even if that's against how you normally feel. But if you want to develop these new relationships and you're expecting people to just walk up to you and be like, hey, let's be friends. Well, unfortunately for you, that's not normally how it happens. You really need to work at putting yourself out there, being that friendly person because you may be thinking, well, why don't they come up to me? And they could also be thinking the same mm -hmm. about you. Why don't you come up to me? If you wanted to be friends, you should show yourself to be more friendly. But when we have those internal scripts running, it makes complete sense to us. But that's one of the great things about therapy, too, is if you try to explain that or to say that out loud to your therapist or maybe even friends or family, they may be like, well, don't you have some obligation to go up and talk to them if you want to get to know them? And then that challenges a negative feedback loop that you can get stuck in where you just keep reinforcing your own negative beliefs. But then if you splay it out to other people, then they might be able to point out how you are reinforcing your own demise here. And if you want to shift it, you need to do something different. And I think this is one of the biggest, most important things that people can understand is that most of the time, nobody's coming to save you. That if you want things to be different in your life, if you're just waiting for other people to make it different for you, you're going to be left in a world of hurt. If you want things to be different, the most reliable agent for change in your life is you. And I think people get stuck on this idea that somebody's going to come and save me from this. It's somebody else's responsibility. If they would just do, if they would just be, then that would help me versus relying on yourself saying, I need to be the one who comes out here and fixes this problem myself. Oh, right. And that totally takes you from a victim to a victor. You have to look at what is in my locus of control? There are absolutely things that you cannot control. You cannot control how they respond or what they do, but you can control what you do and the initiative that you take to change the things that you've been reliving again and again in your life. And so I think what's interesting is what you said when you were giving that example of our interaction that I said something that changed the script but you allow that script to be changed. And so I think that happens a lot in people's life where they have a certain belief and they say, well, I'm not very friendly or people don't really like me. And people will give them examples that counter that. And then they'll go right back to that same script and say, 
Well, they're only doing that because, and they'll give an excuse for it. And they'll minimize the positive experiences, which is a type of cognitive distortion, right? Minimizing the positive. And so anytime there's a positive experience that counters their negative belief or the scripts they're playing in their mind, they will minimize it and put it to the side on why that doesn't count for some reason or another. All right, you guys, we're going to stop there with part one of scripts. But please join us next time as we continue talking about scripts and how important they are in relationships. Have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.